Welcome to Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. This week it is my pleasure to welcome Nick Sweeney and Stacy Reese, the filmmakers behind the HBO Max documentary, Santa Camp. Here's the trailer. I say Santa, you say Claus. Santa! Claus! Santa! Claus! The New England Santa Society created a school called Santa Camp. It's starting to become more visible, and we're starting to do much more promotion of it. The issue we run into is that people just have a very specific idea of what Santa should look like. So, we have a lot of new Santas. I want to be able to be Black Santa for other families. I'm going to be going up to New Hampshire to learn all the ins and outs of being Santa. Oh, it's definitely going to be strange experience. Levi is transgender. Oh, 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 Santa Levi, AKA Trans Santa here. Oh, they're all white. I am excited for Santa camp. There you go, Santa fan. This is the type of people that I live around. All of a sudden, we got a problem with Black Santa. Have you always seen Santa as being white? Yes. I wish there was like a variety of Santas that come in any different state and form, you know? I have never been asked by a child, how come Santa isn't black like me? Kids don't see color. I'm Dr. Claus. Like, I am not the wife. Let me ask, how about pay? I see. Santa is 75 cents, and Mrs. Claus can add her in for a quarter. The doctor said he'd never walk and talk. I want to show everyone that I am the real Santa. Just dream. Our church has been getting emails, phone calls, typical hate messages. This church is infected. This is a ploy to steal, kill, and destroy somebody's identity. We don't know if they have weapons. Yeah, kind of scary. It doesn't matter. God created no junk, whether they're gay, white, Jewish, black, just doesn't matter. I needed to channel the anger into something that wasn't negative. Hey! No, no, no. no it's okay. <laughs> I am not the warm-up back for Santa. Now it's my turn. People need to see themselves in role models. Dasher, dancer, prancer, vixen. Santa Claus is just an idea. A child wants somebody who looks like them. What's the problem? If I saw a trans Santa when I was a kid, it would have made a difference for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's Santa. That was the trailer for the HBO Max documentary Santa Camp, and this is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. Every summer, a horde of professional Santas, Mrs. Clauses, and elves descend on a campsite in the New Hampshire woods to learn the tricks of the trade. But this year is different at Santa Camp. Join us as we talk with Stacy and Nick about how Santas are adapting to a modern world and embracing inclusivity. We also find out what it is like to work on a Christmas documentary and ask the question, can you ever get tired of Santa? Stay tuned. Nick Sweeney, Stacy Reese, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you, Stacy? Good. Thanks for asking. 
Yeah, and Nick? I'm great. Thank you for having us. It's almost the beginning of December, so it's Christmas time, Santa time. Well, I mean, you know, we we wanted to have you on, but you know, there's even another reason to uh, just be discussing Santa. It's it's uh, it's a uh, it's a, a seasonal uh, topic. Um, to remind our listeners and viewers, we're talking about Santa Camp. It premiered in November on HBO Max, and uh, is it is it showing anywhere else? I mean, because I know HBO Max isn't global quite. Uh, do we, or are there plans in the works for wider distribution? So right now, it's on HBO Max um, in all of the territories where HBO Max is available, and then in Australia, it's on Foxtel and Binge, and in Canada, it's on Crave. Um, okay. And there is a UK broadcast coming, um, but we don't have the details of that just yet. Okay. Well, people can uh, search it online and I'm sure find it if they're not in one of the HBO Max territories. I, I'm i not, but I've benefited from having a uh, screener, obviously. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, and welcome and congratulations on getting this film made. And uh, Nick, maybe you can start us off uh, for... Our uh, listeners who haven't had a chance to see uh, Santa Camp, what is Santa Camp all about? Maybe give us a bit of a synopsis. Santa Camp is about a actual, real summer camp for Santa Clauses that um, exists in the woods of New Hampshire every year. About a hundred Santa Clauses and Mrs. Clauses and elves get together and learn the the uh, tricks of the trade, and. Um, in the film, we see that the Santa Society that runs this summer camp last year for the first time, um, they had been getting requests for Santas from different backgrounds, black Santas and LGBTQ plus Santas and so on. Right. Um, and so they, they set out to address Santa's diversity problem by inviting Santas from different backgrounds. Um, and so the film follows the Santa Society as well as the... Um, unconventional clauses um, as they head to camp and then as they head out into the world. It's the clear and present danger for us. I needed to channel the anger into something that wasn't negative. So I went and rented a Santa costume and played Santa Claus for my daughter. Down and across. I want to be able to be Black Santa for other families. So I'm going to be going up to New Hampshire to a Santa camp to uh, learn all the ins and outs of being Santa. This is what I created. Okay. Now, you know, I'm a bit older, but I do have children, but I was a little surprised. I mean... I mean, what I remember as a kid is that it was always just some guy who donned a wig and a beard, you know, even in the shopping mall. It wasn't, but professional Santas. I mean, these guys are, uh, I mean, who are, they, they really take these things seriously, uh, uh, don't they, Stacy? Yeah, I mean, I think probably even in the mall for you as a kid, it wasn't just some guy with a, you know, with a wig and a, and a beard. I think that most of these Santas um, take their role seriously. You know, on a serious note, it's, you know, you know, they're interacting with children, they're setting an impression, they have, mm. um, you know, this tradition to uphold. And, you know, on a lighter note, these are the Santas that we met, at least, they're all natural performers. And so, you know, they want to put on a great show. And, and they sure do. Yes, I mean, they do. They, uh, 
Um, I mean, I think the film does that extremely well in terms of the, uh, uh, especially I love the intro uh, of, of the film where uh, it just, the one Santa and all the, the different uh, crying and screaming children and the lovely children and the older children and, and different people, uh, you know, this, as you say, this, what they're, this, this sort of image and institution really that they are uh, trying to uphold. But yeah, it's so actually go- two Santas that is equal it? one Santa. And, you know, that was a real problem um, in the making of the film because people kept thinking that all of the, the Santas were the same person. Um, we see early in the film that one of the Santas named Santa Dick. Um, That's right. Passes away. And, um, and people were confused because they thought that he then reappeared after he had passed away later in the film. And it was it's a real challenge trying to make the audience... Uh, be able to distinguish between the different Santa Clauses um, because, you know, there's about a hundred different Santa Clauses in this movie. And um, so, yeah, it's interesting in the opening sequences, actually, it's actually multiple senses. Is it? Oh, well, you see, you know, that's the thing. It shows you what you do focus in on, right? Uh, On a, on something like that. And uh, I mean, it's a good point and it's actually what the films also, you're probably going to tell me about as well, that it's uh because the traditional Santas have an image that they are aiming for, they do look, I mean, at first glance, look all the same, don't they? I mean, it's, uh, how was, I mean, let me, how was that, I mean, what was it like hanging out with these guys? And how did you keep them, (laughs) you know, did you become confused at times? Definitely. There are a couple of Santas that are just absolute dead ringers for each other. I mean, these guys are the real deal Santas. They look like this all year round. Um, At Christmas, they have, you know, the traditional velvet cloak and fur and boots with bells on it. But even in the middle of summer, they're still wearing what they call Santa casual, which is like, uh, like Hawaiian shirts with Christmas trees on them or like red hats. Like they're never, they're never not Santa. To the point where, like, they some of the Santas would complain that, like, they couldn't drink in public or they couldn't, like, pee at a urinal or they couldn't, like, um, give somebody the finger if they cut them off at a traffic light because <laughs> then they would be destroying the magic of Santa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of inescapable for these guys. They they don't, it, it, they uh, love being Santa, but also they kind of don't have a choice because they look like yeah. like Santa no matter what they do. Well, I guess it becomes self-reinforcing. Once you become Santa, then you got to look even more like Santa, and so you've got to pack on the weight and grow the beard for out more and uh, all that. I mean, uh, what? Why, Stacy? Why do these guys do it? Because it, it to me, it seems like it might be a thankless job. I mean, on one hand, you know, it pays quite well. So it is, you know, that is a motivation. But I think for many of them, that isn't what motivates them. I think it's the interaction with families and with children. And it's, you know, building these memories. And they they could spend hours and hours and hours. And you see this in the campfire scene a little bit where they tell us tales of meeting different kids and teenagers and what happens. And I think it's... um, you know that's what that's what keeps them doing it is the magic of it. Okay, and and what do they learn at Santa Camp? I mean, do they, or is this kind of an excuse for a bunch of old guys to hang out and drink beers around a campfire? They learn a like extremely dense curriculum, and it was a real challenge um, yeah. filming the camp because there's 
there's like consecutive classes running in like different venues right spread across this gigantic campsite um we had to get around in golf carts and use walkie-talkies just to communicate with each other they learn things i mean all of the courses have very funny names like perfecting your persona and like oh things like uh like claws couples and um like uh what else like preparing for the sleigh yeah Yeah. like it they they take it really seriously it is like a university and they get certificates at the end of it and um and what's really funny in the film is you see like in some of these seminars the instructors are asking them questions and the senses are kind of nervous about answering like there was one moment that's quite funny where the instructor is like what do you say if a kid asks if you're the real santa what do you say anybody 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 and the Santas are too afraid to volunteer an answer because they don't want to give the wrong answer. Right. And um, what actually happened in that moment was the the Santa with um, a disability named right. Finn. He yeah. communicates via a talker and he volunteered. Like, I tell them I'm the real Santa. And that was the correct answer. Like, that is what you're meant to say. Yeah. Um, that's the only correct answer, according to um, the Santa Society. Yeah. And did you learn any tricks of the trade that you didn't know before? before going in are there are they like spe- secrets that they you know there's a lot of secrets i think they prepare their backstory well in advance um yeah. like um because they really get interrogated by the children um you know the kids being like if i'm like if you're the real santa what's my name and if like and <laughs> so they need to always have answers yeah. for that one of the other things that was really interesting and was kind of part of the reason why the santa society was becoming more diverse is that the Santas had been getting, um, they'd been interacting with kids, I guess, who were starting to think about their their gender identity. And so the Santas were getting requests from boys um, for Christmas toys that are like traditionally associated with girls. Like for example, boys were asking for dresses or for easy bake Mm -hmm. ovens and the same the other way around. They were having girls that were asking for GI Joes and I think the Santas had felt kind of unprepared for that. Like they hadn't, they hadn't really had to think about those things as much as they do now. And they were making an effort to to be prepared for that and to not be judgmental and to have answers ready for the kids who ask that so that they don't come across as unprepared or judgmental or, you know, those types of things. So they really have to be prepared. Like it's a lot of pressure. And if they mess it up, then there's a lot at stake. Yeah. yeah. I think that, uh, Actually, we're going to take an early break, uh, let our sponsor have a word, but we'll be right back with Nick Sweeney and Stacey Reese, uh, director and producers of Santa Camp, HBO Max documentary that premiered in November of this year. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Nick Sweeney and Stacey Reese, uh, the filmmakers behind Santa Camp. Uh, it's the HBO Max documentary streaming now. Um, we were just talking about um, Santa Camp the and some of the issues uh, that uh, or things that uh, some of the older Santas were beginning to have to tackle with the children. I mean, is that, is this, did this start out as a film 
about Santa Camp, or where's, uh, or did uh, you know how did this all come about? What drew you to making a film about Santa Camp, and how did you find out about this story? Um, I was actually just curious about how Santa's learned to be Santa. Um, I was, you know, when I first started thinking about it, I was like, do they get a certificate? Do they go to college? Like, you know, do they get background checked? And so I started looking into it and found that there were a couple of different Santa schools in America, three big ones. Um, hmm. But one of them actually had, it ran a summer camp. And as a filmmaker, I was just kind of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like, how could it exist? How has nobody done anything about this? And like, do they sleep in bunk beds or is it like a lake? Like I was just, yeah. my mind was spinning just with how interesting visually it could be. And so I reached out to the organizers of the camp and I'd asked them, you know, obviously everything about it sounded surreal and fascinating. Um, but I was like, is anything, is anything different? Like, are there any changes that are happening in their industry? And mm. the founder of the New England Santa Society and um, the person who is behind um, right. Santa Camp, Dan, Santa Dan, um, said that they had been getting more requests for Santas from different backgrounds and that mm. they didn't have, you know, many diverse Santas in their ranks. And so they had been looking to do outreach. Um, and he'd also said that within the Santa Society, some of the Mrs. Clauses um, had been becoming increasingly vocal in calling for equal billing and equal pay because, you know, many of the Mrs. Clauses had felt like they were overlooked. And so when I heard that, I was kind of like, oh, wow. So here is this kind of microcosm in which these huge issues around representation and equality mm. are starting to play out. And this was at the end of 2020. So a lot of these um, conversations were happening um, everywhere, not just mm. within the Santa community, but in yeah. all workplaces and all industries. Um and so I was really interested in that. Um, but we didn't know how successful they'd be. We, you know, we we were curious about how the Santas would respond to this. But, um, you know, it was when they started to actually do outreach to Santas from different backgrounds that um, that it got really interesting. And, and um, it, it, you know, that kind of tension between the old God and the new. Mm. And this, uh, you know, how can one of the most beloved traditions adapt to right. to a changing America and changing world? Like those were very interesting questions that started to bubble up. So these subjects that are, so you have these these three main main um, subjects, well, there's more than three, but there, then there are these, these uh, there's, is it uh, Chris, who's the African-American oh, Santa? And then, I mean, how did you, so this is sort of totally organic. You weren't, you know, you just, they were already in conversations with the society about coming to camp. And then you were able, you happened to be there when this, when this all happened. Is that uh, how it Some of the, out? so we follow, there's, there's basically kind of five main yeah. clauses. There's Santa Dan, who's the organizer of the camp. There is uh, Diane, who is a professional Mrs. Claus. Right. Um, there is Santa Finn. Uh, mm -hmm. who is a Santa with spina bifida and his mom, Suki. Um, there's Santa Chris, who is a um, a father in Little Rock who received a racist letter in right. response to his right. um, black Santa Christmas decorations. And in response to that, he decided to train to become a Santa. And then there is Santa Levi, who's a transgender Santa, and right. his partner, Heidi, a.k.a. Dr. Claus. I think... Sometimes you just worry that you're going to see, say the wrong thing and offend somebody. You know, you're just not sure how to deal with those situations. 
especially today in today's politically correct world and cancel culture and everything. You're just so afraid what to say. We've tried to really work on just making ourselves more familiar with what's going on. And I mean, we, you know, we were talking today on another topic, but just the whole pronouns issue that for us old guys, it's like, my pronoun? What's the, you know, things have really changed recently in acknowledging the gender issues. Gender issues? Mm -hmm. And I was like... Yep. They're trying, but there's some other verbiage we could use other than, mm -hmm. like, issues. Um, so many of them were already in touch with the Santa Society. They had already, like, um, began to, they'd approached the Santa Society about coming to camp. They had already done some gigs. And then some of the other people were um, people that had online presences. Um, mm -hmm. For example, Chris or Levi had um, online profiles because they had been doing Santa gigs. And so um, the organizers of camp reached out to them. Um, and then, you know, we also reached out to them to see if they were okay with filming. And, and so that's how the kind of ensemble came together, but there are a lot of characters in there and they're from all over America. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, Chris is in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and then the members of the Santa society are dotted all up and down the East coast. So it was, it was a logistical challenge, you know, covering yeah. these types of stories, um, especially coming up, the back of COVID, you know, yeah. there was a lot of travel in this and a lot of big events. I mean, not that this is that would be the normal reference that people would think of, but it did remind me brief, briefly a bit of, of uh, a, a Santa version of Boy's State. I mean, because you've got these all these different groups coming. Uh, you you go to you know, like you say, you go to North Little Rock. Um, I don't know where Levi lives, but uh, I think. <laughs> He's in Chicago, but yeah, yeah Boise State yeah. is an interesting reference. Um, also, Spellbound is another right. thing that kind of has people yeah. from all over the place. And interestingly, Boise State was actually, you know, we we really kind of did everything we could to study how they captured um, yes. the events of Boise State because it was a similar thing. It was a yeah. very condensed schedule where people were coming from all over the place to a, a thing where everything is happening within a short period of time. And so we did do some reading um, of how Boys State or how the cinematographer had attacked that. Um, and it was helpful for us. I, I think they had more crew than you did, but uh, I have a feeling, I don't know, but uh, I think you did very well with uh, what you were able to, what you were able to capture. Cause, um, cause yeah, you've, you've got, you've got them all, you know, like you said, uh, you you follow them all the way up until they get there and and everything. So it's uh, no, it's interesting because uh, I mean we've had the people from the filmmakers behind Boys Boys State on as well, and that's uh, it was quite quite a challenge. So I imagine that was that your biggest challenge, uh, Stacy? Do you think just uh, yeah? I was gonna say I've actually worked with one of the cinematographers on Boys State quite a bit, so I okay. was able to ask him sort of you know how they were able to not miss any moments because clearly that was the you know the challenge for nick and for myself particularly mm. in the scenes at camp um right. so we had multiple units at camp because there were so many people and so many mm. sessions happening and you know walkie talkies and golf carts and it was very mm. very carefully scheduled so that we all had our own you know units and didn't miss anything 
Because um, as you can imagine, we want to get each of those people arriving. We want to see them interacting with the other campers and then, mm. you know, not miss any of the, the key moments like the campfire scene or or when mm. they do their parade through camp. And then the other challenge was at the holiday season. So here we have, you know, five main, um, you know, protagonists in the film and, you know, Christmas Eve is one day and Christmas is one day. And it's like, yeah. wait a second, how are we going to? be in all these different states with different people at the same time. But lucky enough for us that, um, you know, the Christmas season really extends from about Thanksgiving through Christmas here, through New Year's here. And each of the different people had their key events at different Mm. times. So we were able to be in those communities at different times in December and also not miss any, any of the key moments. That's right. I mean, I just, we were definitely yeah. really scared, though. I remember there was a, <laughs> there was like a solid month where I was convinced that like everything was going to be cancelled because it was you know COVID was still kind of coming up and um, I mean Omicron I was know. on its way, wasn't it? I think Stacey's really level headed. I mean, it was like we could tell you stories of Nick and I. Like I felt like sometimes it was like right in the rearview mirror behind us yeah. everywhere. We- yeah. You know, so we are very lucky. And I think the film really is, um, you know, I think it will hold up for so many reasons. But also when you watch the film, we're lucky that people aren't, you know, really wearing masks or it's not obvious that it was a very arduous process to film this during COVID. Yeah. No, that's a very, that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, I mean, were were you surprised? Because, I mean, in terms of how things played out at camp, I mean, you never know what you're going to get in some, a lot of times with these, these this these sort of situations but uh uh sort of the reactions of the old time well no it's not just the old terms it's also the people who are coming for the first time and then you know from uh other you know different communities and their reactions did it did did anything really surprise you about about how that all played out without giving too much away to the you know to, to the audience and you know no no spoiler alerts here but uh you know um how 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 did that play out? It was as expected. I think that at camp, you know, a lot of the Santas that were there had never really thought about a lot of these issues previously. Like they hmm. they hadn't really thought about how you know Santa does tend to be old that white, and they hadn't thought about um, what it would mean to kids from different backgrounds to see themselves in Santa. And so I think that, like, you know, there was a little bit of tension between the kind of, you know, the old guard and the new guard and Mm. see that play out in certain scenes in the film. Um, And, but I think overall, like, it was a very positive experience. And I also Mm. think that um, sometimes you do see the, the old guard kind of struggling with some of these ideas a little bit, like wanting to say the right thing, but not being sure about what they're meant to say and worrying about getting, you know, like, getting things wrong and I think it's really relatable like I think we all go through that and we all think about that Mm -hmm. and no matter how hard we try to be perfect and to be great allies or to be inclusive and welcoming like we all we all get it wrong occasionally and you see that in the film and I think that actually makes it more relatable to an audience and more human because you know if we didn't include those things that happened some of the you know some of them might be considered to be microaggressions um yeah. You know, it, yeah. it just, it wouldn't have felt realistic. It would have felt like this kind of magical fantasy land where everybody says the perfect thing 100% of the time, which is not the real world. Right, or even, or you could even have the opposite, right, where it was just, everything went horribly 
wrong and you know everyone's resisting or whatever i mean it's it's just kind of it just seems as you say it's very natural it's very as you say it's something we all uh maybe even don't even consciously realize it but it's it's something that we all all struggle with obviously um and i think we all make those types of you know little mistakes in our day-to-day lives but usually we don't have a camera following us and so we kind of get away with you know saying something that's not quite right um but yeah i i I certainly think that it was overall a very positive experience for for all of the um unconventional clauses i was also gonna say that i think what's great about it is that it's funny and you can use humor to tap into these issues and so i think everyone is able to sort of make a mistake but then also laugh at themselves and Mm. Um, I think that's really helpful. I mean, I wish that sort of happened in the real world more where someone made a mistake or, and then they could, they could learn and laugh at the same time. And it wasn't just so divisive. Hmm. Well, and now that we are a year on basically, uh, as Christmas approaches, uh, any updates on the, uh, on some of the main, uh, on the, on the on the characters, this f- five main characters, uh, is it because uh, you 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 finish it? We see them going out and being uh, pr- performing their Santa duties uh, last year. I guess that is uh, they must be in full swing at the moment. Is uh, is 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 that carrying on? As far as you know, there are so many updates. I'm I gonna try to remember the top ones from the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. The the Santa Chris, the black father from Arkansas, right. has booked, he says, around 250 gigs since wow. becoming a clause. And that's, you know, only in two Christmas seasons, um, which is massive. I mean, that's a huge yeah. amount of demand for a, yeah. for a Santa. His calendar is completely booked out. Wow. Um, Santa Finn, who is a Santa with spina bifida, right. um, since the film came out, they've actually been getting messages from people all around the world, places like Australia and, you know, all corners of America from other Santas who are disabled, which I think is incredible. They received a message from a Santa who was deaf, um, saying that he had thought that, you know, he didn't have much of a future as a Santa, but seeing Finn's story um, was Mm. very inspiring to him. And there was also a Santa who has epilepsy, who had reached out to them. And he also had thought that his disability could potentially preclude him from, right. you know, um, reaching full flight as a clause. And um, yeah. that he said that seeing Finn's story really inspired him. Um, and one, uh, all of them have their own updates, but another one yeah. that I actually saw, because I occasionally check the Facebook group for right. the Santa Society, was that another of the Mrs. Clauses, um, one of the issues that comes up in the film is the Mrs. Clauses asking for equal pay and equal billing. Right. And um, there was a Mrs. Clause on the message board saying that this year for the first time she's asking for equal pay. Um, And she had two gigs that she normally does and one had agreed to equal pay and she was waiting to find out about the other one. So it certainly has like made ripples in the Santa world. I mean, that's an interesting point. We hadn't talked about previously because there's a lot i mean you know i've harkened on these uh a few of these characters but there are things there that like i would have just assumed it was equal pay right i mean but it's obvious that it hasn't been i mean they've been getting uh uh in in particular cases uh you know um half right or or less than what some of the main santas get in terms of an appearance. It's, it, it's interesting that you would assume that because we still don't have equal pay in, in the real non-Santa world. So, you know, I think that like we, you know, we're saying earlier that a lot of these same issues, even though mm. it's 
you know, in Santa land, which, you know, maybe doesn't, isn't real. They are mm. the same real issues that, you know, women and people are facing mm. um, in, in professional life today. Yeah. No. And I, and that, that I, I hopefully I'm aware of, I think it's just because I thought with, uh, you know, I always think of them as a, as a pair, <laughs> as one and you know, you, you get one, you get the other, you know, and they would be that, that there would even be this kind of, how best to put it, negotiations around hiring Santas, right? <laughs> I'm sure which happens all the time. And that, uh, as you say, um, uh, and what is obviously in your film shows is that, uh, yeah, they, uh, dis- disputes within the community, let alone trying to get people to uh, pay them what they, they are worth. One of the funny moments in the film is when the Mrs. Clauses are doing what's called a clause couples seminar. Um, and one yeah. of the Mrs. Clauses yeah. says that, that um, in terms of the negotiation of the fees, like that she's heard a client will ask the Santa and Mrs. Claus and, and, um, and the yeah. Santa will say it's going to be 150 bucks. And then the client will say, well, what if we don't have Mrs. Claus, will it be cheaper? And then the Santas will be like, oh, well, if we don't have Mrs. Claus, it's going to be 200 right. as a way of like, you yeah. know, getting the clients yeah. to agree to, to book the Mrs. Claus and that yeah. she should be, you know, paid equally and given attention. So they have all sorts of tricks for kind of negotiating. Yeah. So both of you, I mean, now you've, uh, you've, you've spent a lot of time with Santas and you've made this great film and, uh, how does this whole experience make you feel about Christmas? Are you are you a bit tired of it? Because you're like living Christmas year round for a year or two, weren't you? Um, I don't know, and and it must be tough coming into another Christmas season. I I don't know how how has it made you feel? Well, I'm happy that this Christmas season I will spend it with my family. I have right. two children, and last Christmas I was not around very much, and you know they knew this going into it, and. They, they like love the film and are extremely proud of it, but I'm happy to have Christmas off this year. Yeah. And you, Nick? I'm definitely like, it's weird. It, I feel like I've already experienced like 12 months of Christmas. And um, I had this weird experience like yesterday or the day before where, you know, the film's been out for about a week and a half and right. we got a bunch of uh, media requests from CNN and USA Today. And I was like, oh, that's right. Christmas season hasn't even started yet. Like I was already like, we've, you know, this is Christmas is over and so on. And then, right. yeah, the, these requests came through, which reminded me of the fact that like, that, that Christmas is only just getting started. And um, mm. I'm definitely closed out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, it is, it, it, it's a wonderful experience to make something that, um, mm that makes people laugh and cry, which is what a lot of people have been saying on social media, that they're kind of mm. ugly crying over Santa camp. And so that's been a nice feeling. And, um, yeah. and you know, it's nice to make people feel emotions. Yeah. Well, which I would say, what well, exactly. And I will say, I did, you know, I did a quick, uh, I did a quick Google for black Santa and the amount of merchandise now that comes up is uh, absolutely amazing. You know, you were, cause it's one whole scene with the, uh, you know, there, as you've already alluded to, the, uh, you know, there was uh, obviously this horrible racist letter that he receives because he's got a black Santa in his front yard. But, uh, yeah, you can get, uh, you can deck out your whole house in black Santas if, if you wanted to. So that was uh, actually really quite, uh, quite lovely to see. So, uh, 
Uh, and also in commercials, like Wario, I think maybe it's the first year that they've had a Black Santa in their Christmas commercial. The Christmas commercials are like a big deal. Um, yeah. They're like Super Bowl commercials. And so I think that, um, you know, seeing that representation is very meaningful to people. Um, and of course, along with that, there are some very ugly comments on social media about, you know, the Oreo commercial and even about Santa Camp. Like there are some pretty mm. horrifyingly racist things that we've seen online about it and, you know, transphobic, bigoted comments and which is confronting, but, um, but overwhelmingly, you know, it seems like it's moving towards more representation, yeah. which is a good thing. Well, I don't want to end on a bad note, but have you been pers? I mean, have you had any? I mean, have you guys faced threats? I mean, I know while filming, you must have. I mean, there's obviously a scene with the with the Proud Boys showing up, and uh, it, it looks like it had the potential to get. Well, I guess it, you'd probably say it was already quite ugly, but it could get even uglier. Um, I mean, how was that filming? And now, as you say, with some of the reaction. I mean, I don't think either of us. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Stacey. I was going to say that um, I'm, I'm very happy that we were able to carry on with the event and keep everyone safe. That was obviously our primary concern, especially with young children and families coming to that event. Um, so, you know, that was great, but it was definitely a, a scary shoot. You know, we hired private security and we learned after the fact mm -hmm. that there had been undercover cops circling the church where this was taking place. Um, but for the people who, you know, were at the event, um, like Levi and Heidi and the families, I mean, they they really had no idea. They were able to really celebrate and um, and be themselves, you know, which was what mm. we wanted. So I think that, you know, had that event been canceled, you know, hate would have won. And I think that what this mm. film proves, no matter how many negative comments are out there, is that, you know, that that, you know, love and, and celebration and it will triumph in the end. And I think that we're already seeing a lot of change. And I think that all these clauses can be, you know, they can, you know, light the fire for change in each of their communities, but really then it'll kind of ripple out, um, I hopefully yeah. around the world. Okay. Well, uh, I, I sure hope you're right. And I think you probably are. So uh, uh, I think we are coming up to the uh, end of our time together, but uh Maybe uh, both of you. What's what's next in in uh, for you all, uh, uh, Nick? Do you what's your next project, or can you tell us about it? Most of the filmmakers on here say, "Oh, I can't can't really say anything," but uh, maybe maybe you be, it might be different. Uh, do you have a, a project in the works? I do have a project in the work, but in the works, but I like can't many tell. of the other filmmakers on, that come on the <laughs> podcast. I I can't say what it is. I will say that. Um, when we when I started making Santa Camp, I actually didn't think it was going to be a particularly controversial documentary. I thought it would be a you know accessible for the family and Christmassy, and it ended up having a lot of very controversial elements to it. And the next project that I'm working on, I'm also you know I'm intending to make something kind of accessible and and fun, but yeah. as with Santa Camp, it could end up being um, you know a little provocative. Well, you just never know. You and... never know. You, you really never know. I mean, you know, when when I think Stacy and I first talked about doing the documentary, we yeah. really had no idea of the twists and turns that it would take. You know, we never thought that we'd be standing face to face with the Proud Boys, and we never thought that the clauses that we would be following right. would have such extraordinary things happen to them. You know, yeah. the highs and the lows. Like, there's just so much that happens in the film, yeah. um, and so yeah, you really never know, and yeah. I think you can kind of imagine it. 
and it will always end up being completely different to what you set out to make. Well, and that's what makes it so wonderful, and it's also why, uh, though you don't have any, why uh, so many uh, filmmakers have gray hairs, probably, because <laughs> you just never know how that's going to turn out. How about you, Stacy? Well, I um, came off producing a big series that's on Netflix right now, The Andy Warhol Diaries. So, Oh, um, wow. That was okay. a massive project and Santa yeah. Camp. And um, now I'm in the development stage, just developing a lot of different ideas. So there's no set next thing. I mean, there's these two have kept me quite busy for the, this past year. Okay. Well, maybe something about the Easter Bunny. Stacy, what do you think? No Easter Bunny. <laughs> no Easter Bunny. <laughs> I guess to Christmas is our only holiday documentary for now. <laughs> Well, there's, that's a good point. How many holiday documentaries are there? You know, for you think about it, they're, um, they're churning out all kinds of Christmas stuff every year, uh, other holidays. But, uh, you know, it's not one that documentaries have really... Christmas might show up in a documentary, but it's never, never a focus or um, a catalyst, is it? No, I hope this is going to be on the holiday watch list every year. You know, no, every exactly. year. Exactly. You know, exactly. people, there's always the list of, you know, what you should watch this year at the holidays. And, and I love the idea that this is a documentary that people can watch with their kids. You can watch it, you know, any age. Mm. And I think, you know, really enjoy it. But also, I think it can be very revealing. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I just want to... There are so oh, few holiday documentaries. I was just going to say, like, there are so many Christmas movies. Right. They churn them out, you know, there's like a huge industry and yeah. and yeah, there are very few Christmas documentaries. I think the ones that do exist are very um I they don't have a a huge amount of kind of drama to them, I guess. Like sometimes yeah. they're just about um very uh they're very family friendly or kind of G rated. Mm. Um so mm. yeah, maybe I hope other people do make holiday and Christmas documentaries. But or not could be Santa Camp for sequel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You see, you got a whole you got a whole industry here. You've got uh, you see, you've, not that you want to typecast yourself, but you could be the you're going to be the uh, the Christmas documentarian, and uh, <laughs> or not. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. It there wouldn't you go. be. It it would not be a bad path to go down because this one has been very fun to make. All right. Well, I can I can tell, and it's been a thrill and, and a joy to have you on. I really appreciate it. Uh, just remind our listeners and viewers that we've been talking with Nick Sweeney and Stacy Reese, the filmmakers behind Santa Camp, an HBO Max documentary that is streaming now, and uh, do check it out. So thank you again, uh, both of you, Stacy and Nick. It's been a joy having you on. Thank you. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, happy holidays. Hello. I mean, this is a... Uh, very timely. I feel like maybe we should have been wearing our Santa hats and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, people will have to wear their own while they're listening and, and watching this. So uh, thanks again. I also would like to thank those who helped make this podcast possible. A big shout out to Sam and Joe at Intersound Audio in York, England. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. Many of you have been with us for four incredible seasons. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. Please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. 
This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.